Kia ora, New Zealand. It's our St John Heart of Gold annual appeal. This year, we need your help to raise money for new ambulances and life-saving equipment. Every year, the demand keeps growing and costs keep rising. And sometimes, people forget we're a charity. Please show us your heart of gold and donate today. So we can step forward and be there for you. Donate at heartofgold.org.nz or at any so Nia, it's a real honour to talk to you. And this is an interview that will affect every New Zealander potentially. We could all at some point need an ambulance and you were an ambulance officer. Tell me what happened when the government rolled out its very brutal mandates. What happened to you? What happened to me? I just got um, spat out of the whole health system, basically. After how many years working? Um, I started with them in 2015, so about six years. Six years, you're of Tongan heritage. Yep. Were there many Pacific Islanders on the front line? Not many, probably about a couple of handful. And what's interesting is you were the face, and still are in a lot of the St John's ambulance uh, fundraising shops. Your brochures were everywhere and probably still are with your photo on, weren't you? Yep. You were the Absolutely. face for them. Yes. And in film you were the face for them. Yes. Yet when it came to the mandates, what were you told? How did they tell you you're gone? Um, I was just another number that they didn't want and regardless of what I've done, what I've put in, all the work, everything, all my credentials that I've done to them, um, they made no effort to, to keep me, uh, despite saying in the emails that they will help redeploy people like myself and the circumstances I was in into different areas that didn't require um, anything that was mandated, but um, there was no effort or contact made, it was just you go get it, or by the state, which was the 15th of November 2021, you're gone. That is, that is still so painful, and I've heard yeah. that from other ambulance officers at the time. How did that affect you? This is massive yeah. dedication. It's more than a career. It's a dedication to human lives. How did that feel to be spat out as if, you, as if your contribution mattered nothing? Oh, that, that hit me pretty deep. Um, this job, um, I feel like it was my calling. Um, how hard I work where I came from and where I ended up at. All the great things that I've done in my time in the service and the amazing people and patients that I've met and spent time with and, and all the hardships that I've been through, I felt like it was all for nothing and I just, they turned me away. It's kind of like, I know, being in the marriage or, or a long-term relationship where you, you just, they just, you get, say, hey, um, we don't want you anymore. Um, I want to move on and you need to move on as well. But it's not that hard spending six years and, and just leaving and forgetting about everything. It's, it's hard. It's, it's, it just doesn't, you don't just forget about it. Where have you come from, Sunya? Tell us what your background was. How did you get into the service? Well, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, I've come from a poor family, basically. Um, we're humble, but we had everything that we needed. Um, I'm, uh, I'm the middle child of seven, um, obviously. So we had humble, humble beginnings and, uh, and a good upbringing. We had everything. And yeah, so I've overcome a lot of obstacles in life that would be, um, that would probably, discourage a lot and, and make them turn the other way or the easier way, so. 
to 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 possible crime or to yeah, gangs? Yeah, what, well, what were some, some of those? Some of them were things that were, would be a lot easier. Um, I could easily I could have easily stayed at home and just drink, smoke, hang with friends, be with the wrong crowd, maybe sit on the benefit and and just freeload and just exist every day, or I could use talent or gifts or skills that I have and, and do something positive and be a role model to my children, which is what I did. And at the time, uh, I had four children at the time or four young kids. So they were, they were the strength that um, pushed me through to, to do these things. And, and six years down the track, um, and I mean, I'm sure they look up to me as a role model and they're proud of you know, what their dads achieve. And, yeah. You have an incredible energy. You have the energy of a man who knows he's done his best with what he's been given in life, his absolute best. That's what hits me about you, really. But yours is a hero's journey because you're right. You could have gone the easy way, the corrupted way, as so many seem to have in New Zealand. You worked really hard for this career, didn't you? Absolutely. How did you get that foot in the door? I just, to be honest, I... Um, I saw them advertising in the paper and at the same time I was looking for a work that could suit my circumstances with the kids and, and work well and I saw join as a volunteer and I was like okay um, I, I love people, um, I'm caring, it's just my nature, I'm protective so I was like okay I could, I could try for this and, and after my first day and the first taste of um, our volunteer training uh, that was it, it got me. I was hooked and from there I, I put in so many hours. I put in extra hours that none others were doing. Um, for me, because I came from a background, I had no medical background, so I, I had to do what I needed to do, which was get on on-field experience and be out there rather than just be book smart. So I was doing everything and, and also I was picking at the brains of all the experience officers that were mentoring me, so I was just learning so much and then I guess by the end of it, I'm like being a fully qualified EMT. Um, I got, EMT, yeah, emergency. What is that? Emergency medical technician. Technician. Yeah. So um, I, I applied. So during that time, I applied for a full-time role. Um, a lot of uh, degree paramedicine degree people were, were applying and experienced people with many years, and so it was very competitive at the time. And I just got it straight away. So I mean, I. Brilliant. I mean, that just goes to show that um, the effort that I put in and the work that I've done, it, it just on paper, it, it showed the people that were recruiting me. So it's like, I didn't even have to talk much or say much during my interviews and that, so. We have to move into the horrors of what unra unraveled under Ardern. But before that, I want, I want a taste of what it was like for you in the field. When you would turn up at someone's house, maybe an old person or a or a young mum, what, what did that feel like when you could make that much difference? Um, the elderly, they make a huge percentage of, of the jobs that ambulance attend to. And for me, um, I love them because they, have, they carry a lot of history with them, a lot of history. And that's, they were my favorite parts. Um, there's so many interactions with the elderly, but um, they just, I, sitting on the side of them in the ambulance and the stretcher driving along the hospital, I just asked them, hey, tell me about it. Um, tell me about um, your times and what you used to in your prime. And they love it. They love it. They, they go on and on and on and telling all this beautiful history about where they've been, what they've done. And it's amazing. And 
before you know it, we're we're a hospital. But that connection and bond that we 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 create is oh, it's oh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, it, it's the most satisfying job for me that I've ever had in my whole life. And and those are connections that I guess they're lifetime connections. Regardless, you only spend an hour or so with them, they will remember that interaction for the rest of their lives, good or bad. What a what a resource you are. What a precious resource. Even as you tell me that, I can feel just being seen and honoured. That old person would have yeah. potentially had oxytocin as, a, as the baby does, yeah. when, when the mother hugs, when another human mm. acknowledges to that death a human being in trouble. Good chemicals are released, which probably helped them with that. Absolutely. What was, the, what was the call time on average when pre the COVID response? from this government. What, what sorts of call times were you having when you were in the service then? Was it an hour? Was it, you know, on a bad um, day? It was pretty mixed. It wasn't consistent, but it was pretty mixed because we don't, we don't know, or we don't choose what we get uh, dispatched to. Yeah. We get dispatched to certain jobs. So let's say we get dispatched to a low acuity job. Mm. Um, I think it's within a few hours or so that that, that patient needs to be seen. Um, and then on our way there, we would get diverted to a, a urgent one. So that person will end up waiting another hour or so until another vehicle is free. But um, some of those jobs, when we end up finally reach them, they're saying, oh, we've been waiting for at least a few hours or even longer. And this person would have had a broken hip or something from a fall, a few things. And then another thing that affected those waiting times as well is we would get to Auckland ED or, or any ED, sorry, um, department and, and we're queued up because the ED department didn't have any beds available and this was pre-COVID. This was pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. So but there was already an issue. It was already an issue but it was not the issue it has become. Yeah. That's, so maybe a few hours might be the longest wait. Yes. And, and I think back in those pre-COVID times there would have been a news story if there'd been a six-hour wait or mm. a nine-hour wait which is what we are hearing about now, massive mm. waits for, for ambulances. So now let's go into the horrors of those mandates. So we hear from the Prime Minister, you will take this jab or you will lose your job. That was, that was such a dark era and I still mm. can't believe one single Kiwi went along with a leader who would allow that. What was your personal feeling? Here's a job you absolutely love. You've got four kids. You've worked so hard to get where you've got. What did you feel watching that? Were you tempted? Oh, just give in. I'll just go along with it just so I can survive. Or did you think, no, no, I'm going to have to face something big here. What oh, was your feeling? I was upset because I knew that I already had made up my mind from the very beginning. And I stood my ground, but I was just upset knowing what would I'll be experiencing in the future, which was termination of my uh, career, my beloved career. So. It was quite funny, um, the, when the rollouts began, um, we were getting, or ambulances were getting sent in between jobs after clearing to the vaccination centres to go, you know, get your jabs. And my vehicle got sent, so we, made, we went there, we had a, a student, uh, a paramedicine student along with us, with my offsider. We got to the, the centre and I told them, hey, you guys go in, I'm going to chill in here, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. So and they, they went, in. went and got their jab. Yeah. So I sat in the ambulance, I don't know, 45 minutes or an hour because they had to spend a bit of time after getting it. And 
there were a few ambulances coming and going and they were turning up. So obviously the crews know me and then when they go inside, they're like to my offsider, um, we're so near, we're so near. So I guess from that point, this, uh, I'm guessing they might have had a bit of gossip going around the, you know, the crew saying, oh, he um, sat in there while everyone else was getting the jab. So I knew there was a bit of talk going around, but um, even on station, a couple of shifts, I had one of my co-workers approach me and said, hey, um, have you been jabbed or got yours? I said, well, no, nah, tell me why do I need it? And he's like, oh, no, 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 um, no, I was just asking, that's all, you know, being polite to me. I said, um, um, there's no reason for me to get it. I don't believe I need it. Um, so, yeah, and he was like, oh, no, that's okay. And then he walked away, no issues. But for me, I just, I was like, okay, what was all that about? Okay, um, okay, well. Two things strike me. We've never had an era where you'd march up to another Kiwi and go, I wouldn't march up to a Kiwi and go, are you castrated? You know, are you, uh, you know, <laughs> have you had your appendix out? You know, what, what, what personal, uh, you know, operations have you had? And yet we were marching up to each other going, have you had this medical mm. procedure? It's extraordinary. And the second thing is, there was also a silence, wasn't there? There was this kind of deafening silence where mm. people were scared to say at work, I don't want to have this. Do you? Why are we doing this? Was there much discussion at St. John's? Um, there wasn't, it was just like an order and you just, you get it done and you carry on the job that it wasn't really discussed. Well, there were a few discussions while we're sitting on the station saying, oh, the first one's not too bad or the second one's worse. I, I was sick for about a week or anything like that. And I'm just sitting there just listening. Okay. Uh, th those were the discussions that I was hearing anyway. Um, In those days... Were you being called to the centres at all? Did you have any emergency calls to Not to myself, centers? not myself. Did you hear about any? I heard about them through the grapevine, but mm. yeah, that's, that's all. Okay, so then came the day where you really had to front up. You either had them or you were gone. Mm. And that last day, were you in there or were you...? No, um, I was at home, but uh, leading up to that, that period, my um, former boss manager slash manager um, would give me a phone call and said, um, "Hey, um, have you know what are your thoughts? Have you are you got, have you been jabbed yet, or are you thinking about it?" And I just said, "Look, um, at the moment, I'm still not sure. There's not enough information that will support. Like, I, I'm not saying no. I would be happy, but I, I would want the information that will support." my decision, so I would be happy because at the end of the day, I asked them, would you guys be liable if, you know, if there were any adverse reaction or anything that I would suffer because there's, I, you know, I don't want to go along, I don't want to go about... But that's a valid things. argument, Section 83 yeah. of the Health and Safety yeah. at Work Act. Yeah. They could be personally liable yeah. in future years for forcing it on their workers. Absolutely, and that's what my concern was. Like, for me, if, if I was really, really... Um, worried or think okay i really needed this i really need this because i'm worried for my safety i would go I'd do it straight away but working through all those lockdowns on the front line to be honest I, I, there was no threat to me i was not worried at all i felt safe the whole time what we did throughout the lockdown um worked were you seeing a pandemic during that time pre the rollout of the jabs were you seeing 
people falling in the streets and no. being sick everywhere and dying everywhere. That's no. the pandemic. I wasn't. No. So during during the first lockdowns, actually we were we spent a lot of downtime. So we weren't as busy. And then when we finally did go into ED departments, they they weren't busy at all. There are times that I won't say whatever ED department, but um would go through and they're just sitting on a deck, just um just joking around, just spending time because there's no patients. So um, that's the, that was the reality. I mean, see, I've I've got to see a lot of things. I also worked at um spent time at the airport as well. As a, as a medic as well during the lockdown, so the airport was a big ghost town to me. You'd see nothing. It was like I did twelve-hour shifts there. There would be like one or two flights every twelve-hour shift they would come in. But I mean, we shut down the world for that. Yeah, for something that was not making people mm. sick. And here, Sunia, I would say every single nurse who was in there or doctor who knew it wasn't pandemic levels, if they had talked up at that point, if they'd said. I'm not seeing a mm. pandemic. Then we could have questioned the government mm. and said, we don't need this emergency rollout. It's not an emergency. We look back now, but at the time, the media and still the media was playing such a part in wrapping mm. it up. Okay, so this day comes and you're, you're at home. And, and what did you get from your boss? Did you get nothing? Email? Nothing, just an email. But I guess it was a generic email that every other um, ambulance officer got in the service. Um, you know, I, I knew after seeing them later on and seeing the emails that we got the same generic email. So it wasn't personalised or anything. It was just generic for everyone. And there was, and that was it. It was just, you're gone. What would you say to that boss if it was that boss sitting here instead of me? And he said, Sunia, how did that feel when I did that to you? you I just sent a generic email. I didn't even thank you personally for all your hard work what would you say to him uh, i'm really disappointed mm. really disappointed and uh, heartbroken mostly because of the heart and soul that i put in into my work and also into the organization like that's a big huge organization the people at the table do whatever they do but at the end of the day it's the people on the ground all the ambulance officers attending the patients they're the one doing the hard work. It's them. They're, they are the, they're the foundation and the face of the service. It's them that's doing all the hard work. And um, yeah, they get forgotten a lot. It's a people business. It is. The people at the top don't care about people. They shouldn't be at the top taking that big fat yeah. pay packet. Yeah. I, I don't know how he or she lives with themselves after, after treating. Were there many of you, as far as you were aware, who were being pushed out? Initially, to my knowing, I, I don't believe so. Mm. Um, at that time, I was trying to figure out or find any other people in Auckland that were affected, so I could, you know, I can meet up with them and have a little chat with them, like what's going on. And but I, I couldn't find anyone. So, I, so I guess it was everyone was isolated, so we didn't know who was who or who, what was going on. Or, and that was it was a pandemic yeah. of isolation for all kids yeah. to keep us separate to stop us talking. Yeah. that for sure. Did you go into depression? Did you feel a real blackness around that time? Oh, absolutely. A lot Many of ups and downs, yes. Absolutely. And, and it's just quite funny and humbling because we go to a lot of mental health jobs as well. And I'm the strong guy on the other end, you know, um, encouraging them 
talking them through these hard times. Where there might be an attempted suicide. Yeah, absolutely. Soon. Absolutely. You didn't get to that point, did you? <laughs> no comment. No comment. I, I won't say much. You know, but yeah. It's. I ask that not to be not to be nosy or, or invasive. I ask that because if somebody looking at you now, sitting here, a very strong warrior man, can look and think he has even come through this. You've survived, you stayed, you chose to be here. What kept you here? Did you know something better will come in your, in your heart of hearts? Because I've had those times and something kept me here. And it was, it was that little fighting spirit in me that said, I'm not going to mm. let life break me in two. I'm going to create a better life and a better world somehow. What, did, what kept you here? It was, it was my faith and, and my heart because I, I've been at the lowest of the lowest. And at, during that time, well, yeah, it was, I guess would have been easy for anyone in my, my shoes to, to commit suicide or even have thoughts about that. But um, I told myself that I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna fight this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna push through, and because I've done it before, and made it to where I, I did make it, um, I know I can do it again, and even better and easier. But it hasn't been, it hasn't been easy. It's been a rough, rough road. But um, I'm building, I'm building again, rebuilding. Sunia, thank you for your honesty. To someone who's thinking that now, maybe a dad with a massive mortgage and a and kids and he can't pay it and he's had three years of just brutality in his work and and he's thinking that what would you say if you were in, in that ambulance that went to his house what would you say if he was thinking of it what what words did you used to use just life experience like okay first of all what's making you feel like this what's the root cause what's the root problem mm. okay so you know, what are you doing towards it and mm. nothing like okay how about we start now? Why do we start now? Well, you know, just redirect them, redirect their path of thinking, their chain of thoughts. And um, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Is when I'm in the moment, it's just it just happens naturally. And and for me, it's 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 not black and white. It's every person's different, and you talk and communicate, interact with them differently as well, according to their situation and how they are. And that's I guess that's the beauty of my gift is being able to relate to every individual differently, but hit them like here and here as well. In my darkest times in the last three years, I've thought, is there a gift in Jacinda Ardern and her brutalizing this country, brutalizing us with, with deep souls for this country? And I think there is, it'll make us better in the long run at what we do. When you do get back mm. into that career of, of helping others, which does feel like you're yeah. calling, you'll have an added understanding but how to think of you such a resource at home, a resource we needed more than anything, and we need it more now. We need mm. ambulance officers who can go out and help with these vast numbers who are needing ambulances. And, and there you were at home suffering. That just makes me feel so sickened to my core. So that lasted for what, months? Did it did going to Wellington help at all when you because I know that you served the people in Wellington in the medical yeah. center. You worked really hard during that Wellington period yes. in your trained profession. You were doing what, twelve hour days some days, weren't you? At least at least twelve. I remember when I first got there, I am sure I clocked or spent at least 
18 hours, 20 hours, wow. and then sleep for like two or three hours and get back up and carry on again. Like, that's how it was. Um, it was just so intense there that I, I struggled to sleep. So I just, every time I'd wake up, I'd go straight back there. That's it. This, um, yeah, it was just ongoing, nonstop. What did you think of Wellington? A river of filth is the last thing it was from my perspective. Mm. It was the New Zealand we could create. The most beautiful, caring, loving, gentle environment I've seen in New Zealand for a long time. Had it not been for those government, you know, they'd drop mm. off people who were drunk and mm. drugged in the middle of the night and police spies. And we all know that a lot of that stuff on the last day was police, mm. kind of George Soros level rubbish from America coming over here but it wasn't who was there. It was mums and dads in middle New Zealand, wasn't it? Absolutely. What was your feeling there? Um, I felt like I was at home. I felt yes. like a family-orientated thing. Yeah. It was organic. Um, it was just people being people, and, and to me it was all love, and, and that's what the, the common factor was, or, or the connection was just connection of love, and we were there for all the right reasons, and, and that's why everyone got along so well and easily. Did it help you heal a bit after the, after the job loss, after the... It did. Um, I felt good being surrounded by a lot of people that were mm. affected as well. I wasn't the only one. A lot of people were heavily affected. To be surrounded by them and inspired by those people and their stories, it definitely gave me a lot of push as well. And then the horrors of March the 2nd, I think. I, I, I remember a sort of grieving period for about six to eight weeks where I just, I just felt so sad that we had allowed such a corrupt and evil government mm. to take over and that, that the news was upholding it, you know, and telling all these lies about the people who were there. It was, and I'm a communicator as you are. I couldn't even find the words to go public and say this is appalling what is going on in New Zealand. Mainstream media, stop doing this. You're lying. But what did you do for those six weeks after? Was there a brief period when it was wrenched so brutally? Uh, it was very upsetting. Uh, I just basically just disconnected um, from whatever I was doing or from everyone and just mm -hmm. just needed this time to clear my head and just... Mm -hmm. uh, I was heavily affected by um, what happened, you know, seeing what happened to your everyday Kiwi um, or New Zealander being hurt like that and then on the other end um, wondering how um, people that are there to protect and serve us um, can, can do these things and then also thinking maybe some of them they didn't sign, off, sign up for that but they were just following orders so I was just playing out a lot of scenarios in my head. Um, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of good police officers out there, no doubt. Um, I, I have a couple of friends or a few friends in the service and, and they're, they're awesome people. They're very good human beings, so. Are they haunted by what, what Andrew Coster and Jacinda Ardern have done to the police service? To, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not too sure because um, that's a topic that I, I choose not to talk about or bring up um, you know, when I'm around them because just end up clashing or you know having ideas and thoughts that I don't <laughs> agree with and so I just I just keep it neutral at the end of the day I said look that's your job what do you do for a living and for me I'm just yeah mm. you as a human being that I know you I know you you're, you're a good person and, that, and that's why we're friends so I try to keep yeah, the politics out of it because then that's when you have the division. Mm.
Although I said to many at the village, you're a, you're a Kiwi first, you're my brother second, or my sister second, you're a police officer third. It's just a job, put mm. down your badge, don't betray your fellow countrymen and women, don't betray your forebears. So you then had to heal. And meantime, you saw, did you, as I did, notice a lot of ambulances on the road? In, mm. in that beginning of last year, suddenly there was an uptick. And yeah. as these jabs have been, we all saw ambulances mm. everywhere. Yeah. What were you hearing? Were you hearing from anyone in the uh, service? I was, well, I was trying to ask a few people, what sort of jobs are you guys going to? Mm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of them were medical, but mm. obviously the privacy sort of stuff, we can't disclose anything. That, you know, they can't really give any more information than that. So, but I would imagine that I've come across a lot of people that's been ill as a result of you know the jab so and also suicide i've had a lot of messages that there's been, there's been a huge uptick in suicide no doubt and and there'll be a very a range of ages as well not yeah. just young uh, old too I, I would imagine people that that were they had businesses and they were had had a good life until everything got chucked upside down for them there's a lot of circumstances and uh, Please, to anybody who's at that point watching this, think of what Sunia said before, what I said. There is a way through. You will come through. Just hold on. We need all good Kiwis. We need all our good Kiwis. So then how did you cope? You you have financial pressures as well. You have family. Uh, how did you cope? Um, I didn't cope at all. Um, as soon as I um, got mandated, I refused to go on the benefit. Just... Uh, for whatever reason, hey, there could be a couple, but I decided that I don't want to go on the benefit. I'm not going to, I don't want to re be relying on the government handouts and all I that. was the same, I've been so, the same. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually had nothing, no no income, no nothing. So some family members were helping me out or friends just for food and all that petrol or whatever I was doing. So um, I think, I'm sure it was about nine months, don't quote me, but was somewhere around that time before I said, okay, well, I, I feel like I'm being a burden on people and I don't want to be a burden on others because they have their own livelihoods to worry about in these hard financial times. So I signed up for the unemployment benefit or job seeking benefit in. And yeah, so I've just been on there ever since. But um, It's but designed to be demoralizing, but my God, yeah. all the taxes you would have paid and how hard you work, yeah. you deserve that help. You do yeah. right now, but it's not the way you want it. Yeah. What do you want? What would you love right now if we hadn't had this nightmarish period? What would you love to be doing? Just to go back to my, the job that I love and I'm really good at. Yeah. Yeah, back into the ambulance service. And what's happening there when, when you talk to friends and family and they say, why aren't you, why aren't you working in there? Do many of them ask you? We yeah, need you. absolutely. The general public, people that I meet, my family, they're all upset when I tell them that um, I've my application was declined to return back to work. So after the mandates dropped, you applied to go back? Yep. Even given how they've treated you? Yeah. And here you are, let's remind everyone, the face of St. John's, and it got declined. Yeah. How many times has it been declined? Well, the first time I got an email, uh, probably about two or three. Um, the, the excuse they gave me, they gave me no excuse at, at the beginning or no reason. So I asked you, okay, can you provide me with a reason why? And it's because I had no authority practice or say my EMT um, patches. So 
apparently I've lost it, but regardless, I'm, I'm fully qualified, right? But that can be easily attained by completing a clinical assessment there, which only takes a, it's a one day thing. We sit down and go get questioned, talk through things and, and maybe do a few uh, practicals to show that you're still competent and you haven't forgotten, um, you know, your, your knowledge and your work um, protocols and all that. So Nia, that is horrifying. Do you know why? Is there one particular person blocking? Is there one, do you know what's behind this? So there, there could be, I'm not too sure. So what I did was the recruitment person, I, I CC'd that email and forwarded it to my former uh, manager. Um, he's uh, got a new role now where he's uh, a, a big boss as well. And the reason why I CC'd him in this because the leading up before I got terminated, me and him had a heart to heart in person on station where um, he was asking asking to see if I was okay and how are things and then I told him about my stance, my thoughts about the jab and and how it's gonna affect me and how I got kids and and the family and, and all and everything. And and I was upset because I know that I was gonna lose my career over it. And his words to me was that um if he could move mountains, he would for me. He said that to Yes. And you have since contacted him? So after that email, and he had a very short response to that, that email saying that, um, uh, Sunia, um, for you to get your EMT um, patches back, um, you basically need to be employed. So, so the What does that mean? That's circular. Yeah, so the recruitment said, they are not hiring because I don't have my authority practice or my EMT patches. So I said, okay, how can I get my EMT patches back, um, boss? Especially the one that would move mountains for me. And he just said, um, you need to be employed for St. John to get them back. And, and you can't be employed unless you have them. Yeah. And you can't have them unless you're employed. Yeah. And then he said, we will not, we will not be progressing you or progressing your um, application anymore, any further. So Nia, that is absolutely unforgivable yeah. how do you feel that makes me feel angry do you feel that real what do you feel i i, I feel real, really disappointed um with this person or my former manager because he he's seen my career from the beginning up till the end um, he's seen it all and he's seen all the good work that i've done all the hours i put on my efforts everything that i've done in my time in the service he's seen it all I haven't done anything bad or anything wrong to make them want to say, hey, we don't, we don't want you, we don't need you. Plus, let's face it, they're really short stuff, yeah, aren't they? Yeah. They're really short of good stuff. Would you be willing to say his name? Because I ask this not for people to be insulting or rude, but everybody who watches this to write to him and plead on your behalf that you come back into the service to help all of us. Because I may need an ambulance tomorrow, who knows? I want you there by my side as I go to the mm. hospital. And a genuine letter. Would you, would you be willing to say that? Not to be rude or, or, or insulting at all. It's up to you, Sunia, if you want to. Nah. Um, if you want to come back and do I, that, I, look I, at your loyalty to him. I live by code and I, 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 won't, I won't name him. But I, he's, a, he's a manager. He's, he knows He's a manager, things. yeah. Please, everybody who watches this, please can you sit down, we'll put this at John, 
ambulance recruitment office address here and send an email it will we don't know the name of the person it will reach or to the actually the head of St John's let's all write to the head of St John's and ask that Sunia be reinstated and if you think oh yeah I want to help him also think you're helping yourselves because the quality of you I can just see from this interview the quality and the caring of you and then the injustice of this and that man who said all those empty words he'll he'll also be haunted that's that's a terrific betrayal it's that's a lack of integrity that's a lack of humanity of decency that will haunt him that's not your business but to let him go and mm. and be destined to whatever that brings him in the future but that really hurts Sunia. so then on top of all this courage you've been through these dips this is a roller coaster ride you've been through yeah. absolutely yeah. it's been nothing but a roller coaster ride i have good days i have bad days i have a lot of down days but thank god for the um the fantastic family and friends that know what i'm going through or ask or even just do the simplest things just bring me back up again like okay there we go okay you know starting to slip again through the cracks and then okay you know i know better i need to practice what i preach you know or the other people that i've you know dealt with or, or assisted so do you know quite how extraordinary you are i don't often say this <laughs> in the middle of an interview but i see an absolutely extraordinary man an absolutely first-rate kiwi and it really hurts that you have been treated like this when you've worked so hard and overcome so much but there will be a purpose for this Sunia there will be a place for you in the New Zealand we will build beyond this corrupt New Zealand we'll need good people at the top of St John's to replace the corrupt ones who've gone along with this keep that faith because I see an amazing kiwi thank you thank you um, have you thought of teaching lots of courses of um, first aid care? Because I would come to a course you'd teach. I'd love something like that. I'd love to have a basic first aid care, but to do it, would you be able to do that first of all? Could you start a little business sharing some of your incredible knowledge? Because certainly through Free NZ, we would put that out. And I tell you, if you had little classes of 10 and we all paid $50, you know, mm. something like that, um, I, people will be lining up. We all need to be able to help our own now. So would you ever think of doing something like that? Absolutely. I still want to stay within the game or within yeah. um, that industry because for me, um, it's, that's teaching a life skill. It's, it's, not, it's not just for work. It's not for anything specific. It's, it's a life thing that you'll carry for you for the rest of your life. If someone co uh, collapses in front of me with a heart condition, yeah. I want to know how to be able to bring them yeah. back and feel confident. So could we talk about that maybe in the in the future that you start something like this? We'll put that out on Free yeah, NZ. For sure, absolutely. And put that around. And I also think you'd make a damn fine interviewer, actually. <laughs> so there are okay. a few more things for us to talk about. But in the meantime, Ardern has gone, and I often used to ask people, to send a message to her as the Prime Minister. Not that she ever listened. We all know she didn't listen to the real people of New Zealand. But those stand as an historical plea to a leader who was so arrogant and so propagandized into being a wonderful leader, but she never listened to those cries. We've got a new Prime Minister. Could you look down that camera and speak to Chris Hitkins and say what you would love in New Zealand and what you would personally love if, if this Prime Minister was going to do something to help you? to reinstate your job. What would you say if he walked in the room right now and you had, I said, 
Sunia, you've got five minutes with the Prime Minister. There are a couple of things you can ask him. Personally, what you'd like and what you'd love for your country. Just from your heart, Sunia, down that camera. Use his name, Chris. Well, first thing I would say would be, or ask would be, Chris, um, how does that make you feel knowing that an experienced uh, person in the medical health field has been declined their job or, or returned to work despite um, the mandates being dropped? How does that make you feel in a time where the, the medical field is in a lot of demand and, and, and what's going on? Um, Oh, there's, there's just there's just so so many emotions and there's so much. But yeah, yeah, there's just. But for me, I'm 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 not into politics. I'm not into any any of that stuff or any of that talk. For me, is I just want to live a normal life, and which is go to work, do what I'm do best. Do what I love and go home. That's that's all. I, that's all I want. That's the. And that's that's the all it is. That's the appeal to the prime minister. Get yeah. out of our lives. So many of us feel that. I just want the state not interfering in my life, to do the minimal that it can to help this society get back on track and then run smoothly, but not be dictating, telling me yeah. how to live, dictating, fifteen-minute cities and. You know, all this climate change rubbish, which we all want to look after our land, but not the way they're suggesting, this uber control. That's the plea. That's the plea. It's, it's hard because when we're at work, the code, the health code is when you attend the patient. If they don't want something, if they don't want medicine or intervention, if they don't want to go to hospital despite that there could be a possibility that they could get more sick or unwell and, and pass away or, or something worse happen at home, if they say no, then we can't do anything as part of the, the health code. And so, I mean, what's the difference um, with the government or people trying to tell us how to live our lives or what we can eat or what we shouldn't be eating or what we shouldn't be doing? Um, everyone has a right to do what they want to do. If they're going to smoke and, and, and die that way or get beyond the way, that's their choice. But they, that's what they want. That's what makes them happy. I mean, yeah. A lot of my family smoke, but um, and I and encourage them. Look, uh, I know what it can do, the damage it can cause. But as long as you know that and you're happy with what you're doing, then man, I'm, I support you. And and if you do be unwell, that I'll be there to look after you and care for you. I mean, that's simple. So, who are these people to tell us what to do, and how to live our lives, and and then discriminate us from the you know society or the general public? You know, because. I haven't forgotten that I wasn't allowed to go get a haircut. I, I was, wasn't allowed any longer to go to the gym. Because for me, when I was in the service, the gym was my hospital. That's where I could de-stress. That's where I could just zone out with, with nothing around me and just be, do, be by myself and, and, and do what I love to do in exercise. Um, that, that always heals me, exercise, uh, what I did at the gym. You know, the, the bad jobs that I attended to, you know, um, we don't get trained to, to kind of like, or well, how do you heal yourself if it affects you or anything like that. Um, that's just, it's on yourself, really. Um, thank God that, you know, I'm, I'm strong-minded. I've got a strong spirit and, and, 
and I believe in, in the higher power. So, you know, a lot of factors that kept me kept me straight on the strong, you know, long road, but it's also a physical thing as well that's kept me straight as well. And for them to, to take those small things away and, and restaurants and, you know, my kids were hurting a lot. My teenage kids, my, my oldest who's now 19, oh, yeah, nine, now 19, he, he was on the verge of getting, like going to get the jab because he was getting depressed not being able to join his, his friends at the restaurant. He felt left out and he, that was the pressure. So I had a big clash with him and, and at home saying, okay, look, you're, on, you're a young adult, you can do whatever you want, but me as a parent, as your dad, I disagree with it. I, I, don't, I don't want you to do it, but you can go and do it if you want. But as long as you know that if you ever get sick from it, that you will accept it. The worst case scenario, this can make you sick. If not, you could probably die from it as a result of you know having an adverse reaction. If you understand and you accept it, then you can, I'll let you go. But I'm doing my duty as a parent to, to, to say, just wait, just wait. It's not gonna be like this forever, just wait, just hang on. And yeah, he was really upset, I left. And then um, up till today, he, he has, hasn't got jabbed and he's been fine. Sydney, he's been what fine. What a great dad. What a great dad. That's so beautifully put. I, I've just felt today, I, I wish I'd known you then because I know Steve Oliver would have had you at his gym like that. Mm. He, that brave mm. man kept the gyms open because he knew how important the exercise was. And, yeah. and he yeah. got up to $50,000 worth of fines from these bullies. But I'll tell you something, a lot of Kiwis gave money to Steve because they loved him so much for keeping that gym open. It was really mm. good. And that's in, helped him to get lawyers to fight this ridiculous case. Mm. Um, I would love to and be honoured, and I do this with a lot of people who've struggled in the last few years, if we could put your account number up and people have five, ten dollars, maybe twenty. Some people just love to reach out to someone else they admire, who they see has given, has cared, has been through an unjust, unfair, wrong time. A lot of Kiwis find that a way to express communal support for each other. So at least we could throw it up there and if some money comes in, it's just a bonus. Would you allow that? Uh, I'm, I'm blown away and humbled by that. Uh, uh, me, uh, uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, I'm, I've been through worse and I, I know I can make it through and I want everyone else to keep whatever they have because it's hard times and everyone needs whatever they have. And yeah, thanks for the for the offer, but yeah, I'll kindly decline. And there again is your uh, uncorruptible magnificence. You you are you are a leader in this country, Sunia. I hope you see that. I see you destined for great things. I'm not surprised by that answer. You are, you are a man of great dignity, of natural leadership. You've been through an incredibly tough time, but I believe for a reason in the future we don't yet know. It's been a real honour to interview you. I'd love to keep in touch. Thank you. Likewise. Any last words to, to New Zealand about what they need to think about when they think about our ambulance service, which we used to love so much. There's a great need for more people. I know what my last words are, it's please write to the head of St. John's Ambulance 
will put the address on the screen and demand, ask that Sunia be reinstated. What are your last words on, on St. John's and why you came today? What did you want out of this? For me, all I want is just the general public um, to know um, what's going on at the moment. Um, there's a high demand with um, ambulance officers, paramedics and and they're not rehiring someone no. who was dedicated and yeah. trained. Experienced people are getting turned away and not um, asked to come back to work for whatever reason. But um, yeah, it's not a, not about me. It's 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 about what's going on right now, and and people are waiting too long for ambulances or whatever. Um, they need to be hiring experienced people, qualified people, which they're not doing, and. All I want them to do is do the right thing and do it for the, the public, do it for the people of New Zealand because that's their right to have access to all of that. That's their right. It feels venal and vindictive that St John's is not taking back these people and yet you, who could be vindictive for having been treated so badly, were willing to forgive and come back and serve. It's all the wrong yep. way around. So the leadership needs to show some of the magnificence that these people who were mandated out are willing to show to come back and work for St John's. In future years, I hope there'll be a full investigation into St John's, but please, could you write to St John's if we have those letters in numbers about Sunia and, and everything he represents, then others will also come back once they realise the public support is there. Thank you, Sunia. Thank you for speaking up. Thank you, Liz.